from the virtual newsroom of Impact Alpha. This is your Impact Briefing for Friday, January 29th. I'm Monique Aiken. Today, I'm joined by Impact Alpha's David Bank to introduce a new series we're launching next week called The Reconstruction. Hello, David. Hi, Monique. Great to be here with you again. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in Impact Investing. BlackRock's Larry Fink put CEOs on notice to get on a net zero emissions plan and fast. More than 1,500 companies already have made net zero pledges, and many of them are buying credits to offset their own emissions. That has pushed carbon prices as high as $20 a ton. Most of the credits will come from natural climate solutions, such as forest preservation and farmland soil. A task force on scaling the voluntary carbon markets issued a blueprint to boost the market to as much as $50 billion by 2030. Digitization has emerged as a pandemic theme. In India, a crop of tech entrepreneurs is aiming to streamline agricultural supply chains and improve the livelihoods of the country's 130 million smallholder farmers. Investor interest in ag tech is reflected in more than half a dozen recent deals, including this month's $20 million financing for Cropin, which helps farmers boost yields with satellites, sensors, and weather data. SPACs are another theme, and green SPACs in particular. Special purpose acquisition companies, a way to take companies public, are attracting billions of dollars and pulling in venture capital investors as well. Electric charging operator EVGo is going public via Climate SPAC in a deal that values the company at $2.6 billion. Banks are backing black, brown, and white women founders and fund managers. Citibank's $200 million City Impact Fund rolled out seven new investments, including in MedHall, which works with healthcare providers to provide transportation for low-income patients. Bank of America plates $150 million with 40 diverse fund managers, including New York-based Harlem Capital, Atlanta's Fearless Fund, and Zeal Capital Partners in Washington, D.C. And finally, no need to wait for new rules to move capital in opportunity zones. The capital gains tax break is a legacy of the last administration. President Biden is proposing to make them work better for black and brown communities and small businesses. Impact investors are taking such steps on their own. This week, Arctaris Impact Investors committed $18 million to preserve manufacturing jobs in low-income areas of Ohio. The IRS extended the deadline for making investments from 2020 gains through March 31st. You can read all of these stories and more at impactalpha.com. Hello, David. We've been working on this project for quite a while, and it's almost ready to launch. I'm so excited. Monique, tell us about the Reconstruction Project. Well, we're not original in thinking about this period as the Reconstruction. Some call it the Third Reconstruction. But it's been fascinating to see how the post-Civil War period is resonating in our own time of dislocation and rebuilding, particularly as we look to create systemic change. We've been hosting a series of podcast conversations with some bright minds and problem solvers to explore how we can get it right this time. Tell us about some of the themes that are emerging so far. Well, really, it's like a core set of principles have come through in these early conversations that really resonate with some of the thinking that we were already doing, that this reconstruction must build the post-pandemic world on a foundation of economic liberation and racial justice, that this reconstruction needs to reflect the new majorities and deeply listen to communities, and that this reconstruction needs to prioritize justice and redistribute power. And it would require the impact investing community to work in radically collaborative ways to engender the changes in practice needed to do things differently. And truly this moment, in the United States at least, presents an opportunity for a proactive vision that centers Blackness and the voices of Indigenous and other people of color. 
You know, one of the things that always comes up in conversations about the original Reconstruction is the way it ended. You know, white supremacist backlash after a contested election, in fact, that ushered in Jim Crow and so much more. All true. Um, And those who describe it as a failure really obscure the promise and possibilities that were flowering. It was a success story, which is why it attracted the backlash. And it was really a serious effort at a just multiracial democracy and society that was almost working. Here's how Carmen Rojas, the head of Marguerite Casey Foundation, put it. The moment post-emancipation is like a 10, 15-year period in which Black people in this country were fully afforded the right to participate, not without white violence, not without white supremacy, but there was a sense that there was a fulfilling a promise in this moment of radical reconstruction that frankly, many people don't know about. And I think that one of the problems that we've had of our past that we can't move forward with is this belief that a rich and robust democracy will lead to racial justice. That's Mm -hmm. not true. Racial justice will lead to a rich and robust democracy. Mm -hmm. And it's not just historical. Carmen put it so well. So much of that history has been forgotten. Or ignored. I was fascinated to learn about some of these incredible people from the era as I got to know Jean Bruskin, a labor organizer turned playwright, who put together a musical set in 1869 called That Moment Was Now. Here's Jean. One of the things that just blew me out of the water was this thing about the Mississippi washerwomen. So here was 1866 uh, is when they first emerged. And so they really just recently out of slavery. uh, And they, they were the women who went around in Jackson, Mississippi and washed the clothes for white women. Apparently what's happening is is that the people that were hiring were playing them off against each other to get the wages down further and further to almost nothing. And so they organized the union. Uh, what they, I don't think they necessarily called it that, but they organized and they wrote a letter to the mayor of Jackson and said, we, the Mississippi washerwomen, basically will not work for anything less than I think it was 25 cents a day or something unimaginable. And any woman that violates that, any washerwoman that violates that will be held accountable by the group. So if the Reconstruction is a story of progress and then backlash, where are we now? I think Paula Abdul said it best. Two steps forward, two steps back. I mean, the backlash to the Obama administration, Trump. The backlash to the 1619 Project, the 1776 Commission. We just have to be prepared for the backlash to the amazing work being done by so many to ensure a more just future and to redress the harm being done to black and brown communities. Here's Melissa Bradley, a veteran impact investor who calls her fund 1863 Ventures to commemorate the Emancipation Proclamation, which ushered in the Reconstruction. And certainly with the election of President Obama, people said we're in a post-race era. Well, that was clearly not the case. We were in a, I'd say, race-igniting era. And I do think it's important that people understand history to know what laws have been created to allow for equal opportunity, what barriers still exist and how to do those, and where have we found opportunities of coexistence 
uh, and, and I would say equitable wealth building and wealth creation in communities because we've seen it, albeit isolated in pockets like Tulsa. Uh, and so it's important that we're not starting from scratch because unfortunately, you know, I think I'm getting too old and we don't have a lot of time to lose. <laughs> and so we really need to figure out how do we understand history to build the momentum that's been created. You've met so many great people. We're going to launch these podcasts on Impact Alpha on Monday and people can binge on the conversations. Yep. And there's plenty more to come. We'll be posting new conversations regularly, and listeners can get Impact Alpha's coverage of the Reconstruction Beat at impactalpha.com. We'll be listening with interest, Monique. That sounds good. And that's going to do it for your Impact Briefing this week. You can read all of these stories at impactalpha.com. Impact Alpha's podcasts are available wherever you listen, made possible by Impact Alpha subscribers. Join them and receive the daily brief and full access to impactalpha.com and more. Podcast listeners get $100 off their annual subscription. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use the code briefing100 for $100 off. Thank you for listening and thanks to our producer, Isaac Silk. I'm Monique Aiken, Managing Director for TIP, the Investment Integration Project. Make sure to check back for next week's briefing. Until then, take care. <laughs>